Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In London, a stone's throw from Paddington Station, in an understated but typically grand-looking government office, the UK COVID inquiry is well underway. Leaders, advisers, politicos and scientists are all being questioned on their decisions, actions and WhatsApps. They were often sent in speed, were largely informal and spontaneous and were sometimes ill-considered. They were always short, naturally, they often reflected irritation, or even vitriol. If you'd ever wondered how bitter or deep factions and grudges were in the corridors of power, here's your glimpse. Candid nicknames and colourful language, of which there'll be quite a bit in this episode. On the 12th of March, a text from Mr Cummings read, We've got big problems coming. The Cabinet Office is terrifyingly shit. No plans. Totally behind the pace. Yesterday, we heard from Boris Johnson's former private secretary, Martin Reynolds, dubbed Party Marty for his role in one of the Downing Street bashers. There are further WhatsApps in relation to another event in the garden. So the first matter, the first issue, which I've put to you, which is the Bring Your Own Booze event in the garden, was not a solitary event, was it? No. No. And I apologise unreservedly again for these uh, these events. This morning, it's the turn of Boris Johnson's former chief advisor, Dominic Cummings. What might he have to say? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, fuckwits and Dr. Death, what the COVID WhatsApps reveal. My name is Tom Whipple and I am the science editor at The Times. So we are now in module two of the inquiry. It's underway. What is that and what have you been seeing recently? Module one was on pandemic preparedness. You might have missed it. It was very worthy. It was very important. It discussed all sorts of important things. We have modules three, four, five and at least six to come, which are on things like the care system and... Mm vaccines but module two is where the drama is at this is the one where people get to settle old scores and beefs and all sorts of things this is on the conduct of the government 
and it has been going for a couple of weeks now. We've just finished the half-term break and we are back and we are reviewing one of the big surprises is that Sir Patrick Valance has kept a diary. Chief scientific advisor at the time. Chief scientific advisor. We are listening to the secret diary of Patrick Valance, aged... Uh, 63 and a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) He says, having Googled it, 63 and three quarters, in fact. Professor Valance, the government's chief scientific advisor, wrote evening notes every night or most nights during the pandemic in which he set down his thoughts from those extremely difficult and troubling days. He's provided a copy of those notes, his diary, quite properly to this inquiry. What's been revealed... One of the biggest things is simply that he was doing this um, and that he has provided them. I've spoken to people about it and it doesn't seem apparent that he had to. So I think there's probably a sense of duty in providing them because they were asked for contemporaneous notes. I think there's also a sense that probably he didn't expect them to be asked for and to be made public. But that's that's all my my inferences. But what, what comes across from this is... I think possibly that he's the slightly exasperated adult in the room. We're seeing a sense of frustration with the way that the government is conducting itself during mm. the pandemic. Sir Patrick's diary contains entries such as this flip-flopping is impossible. One minute do more, next do nothing. He doesn't seem to push actions or resolutions. Morning PM meeting, once everything normal by September and only deal with things locally and regionally. He's now completely bullish about opening everything. As another person said, it is so inconsistent. It is like bipolar decision-making. It's an incredible unvarnished account, isn't it? It is. And the thing that surprised me about it is that throughout the pandemic, you know, we were chatting to all sorts of people. And we were chatting. I think, I think I'm allowed to say this. We, we had a weekly off-the-record meeting with Patrick Valance where he tried to sort of quite candidly but professionally explain what was going on Mm. but he's not been one to talk to the media or to express private frustrations or anything like that he's always a lot of interviews at the time no not at all or since so you know and despite you know leaving the role as well he's very much kept his counsel but here we are seeing an insight into his mind i guess and what he was thinking yes a sort of evening brain dump as it's been referred to Professor Valence noted, what a week. Feels like February, March. Strikes me that the delay in introducing the new rules until Monday is exactly what they did in March. Why delay? And the picture he's painting there is not necessarily about unwise decisions or what he sees as incorrect decisions. It's just constantly changing decisions. We're hearing extracts, I think, then from September 2020. And I think it's fair to say there was very much a view amongst the scientific advisors then, that if we're going to have restrictions, better to have them sooner. And yes, you get a sense that he he doesn't feel like the machinery of government was playing its part and doing its part properly. Uh, One of the great battles about this inquiry is not just going to be, was I the person being questioned right or wrong in what I did at the time, but also what information of mine you can get your hands on. Lawyers representing Sir Patrick have objected to a proposal from the inquiry team to adopt the same process as is adopted for other documents in relation to Sir Patrick Valance's notes and to publish the whole of the relevant page or pages on screen. They claim that this would be a breach of his Article 8 rights and of his legitimate expectation of privacy. 
Patrick Vallance somewhat unhappy about the idea of all of his notes being out in the public domain and just wants to release what he sees as sort of relevant bits. Yeah, I don't totally understand this particular objection. Something has happened in the way these have been released that Patrick Vallance is unhappy with. It seems like what he's objecting is that these are being released piecemeal where relevant, but rather than simply showing the relevant section, they will show the whole A4 page. And so you'll be able to, if you screenshot it, read stuff that doesn't pertain to what's being spoken about at the time. Although I, I presume his, his expectation was those bits would come out anyway, but maybe he just doesn't want them coming out in this way. So there's this slight sort of side battle. It, it's perfectly clear that a lot has come out and is going to come out that people clearly did not expect. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know who was advising them. But it's very obvious that people were writing things on WhatsApp, believing that to be a private medium. And it is is very much not. <laughs> yeah, it's anything but. And we'll get into that in a minute. But if we zoom out for a moment, as mentioned, what we just were talking about there was a slice of module two. When did the whole thing start? Almost since the beginning, people have been referring to the public inquiry. And there's been an expectation that there would be one because, you know, Britain is very good at public inquiries. We do a lot of them. We take a lot of time over them and we spend a heck mm. of a lot of money on them. So it has been going for um, over a year now and there's a lot more to come. A lot more in what way and for how long? So the closest you could imagine to this inquiry probably is the, the Chilcot inquiry into the Iraq war. Mm. This is a lot more. I mean, essentially everything, certainly for the first year of the pandemic, you could say almost everything the government did was about the pandemic. And so a comprehensive inquiry of the kind that we really, really like to do is examining everything. In that context, the timeline is quite tight, bearing in mind there have been public inquiries into, you know, fewer than a dozen hospital deaths that have managed to go on for a decade. So we are divided into modules. Um, resilience and preparedness is the first one. It hasn't reported back yet. Module six is the last one we know of, but they have half promise, half threat, said that others may come. That focuses on the care sector as it is going to start in the middle of this decade. Gosh. Um, and there is a lot at stake here. Just like during the pandemic, what decisions were being made affected whether people had their lives or livelihoods affected. This is high stakes because it is people's reputations and careers at a time of crisis. And interestingly, already, it's descended into bitchiness. The thing is, I suppose, we should briefly pull back and say that yeah, everyone in Britain had their freedom curtailed. School children missed a lot of schooling, and that's one of the really contentious things about how much that was necessary. Over 200,000 people died. Mm. Um, these are high stakes, extremely serious things. But equally, what we're doing is getting an insight into the humans behind those decisions. And what we are seeing is drama. We're seeing retrospective point scoring, self-justification, you know, scientific grudges, government grudges, the intricacies, the intrigues of Boris Johnson's court, how well that court worked. And yeah, amidst all this, we have had so far merely one use of the word fuckwit. Coming up, WhatsApp messages and who is Dr. Death? That's in a moment.
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Tom, we're looking at what's happened so far in Module 2 of the UK COVID-19 inquiry. You were mentioning a moment ago the the retrospective point scoring, the political and scientific grudges. That sort of started from the off in this inquiry, didn't it? When one of the inquiry's KCs, Hugo Keith, sort of immediately laid out some of the, as he's had it, sort of blatant issues with Boris Johnson's leadership. Insofar as anyone is on trial, particularly in this module, it is ultimately Boris Johnson and the government he was running and the extent to which that government was competent enough to make these decisions, I suppose. And that's what he'll be looking to, you know, defend his his reputation, people who work with him. But uh, there's been some quite piquant questioning by Hugo Keith. He has already in the press notoriously been described as a trolley, liable to career off in unexpected direction. Witnesses and texts and WhatsApps and diary entries speak repeatedly of flip-flopping, of him ignoring problems, then U-turning, of poor and delayed decision-making and of oscillation. Some witnesses will say he had a tendency to say different things to different people, to reverse settled decisions and to be heavily influenced by pressure from parts of the media. And we've already had Sir Patrick Balance's evening Dear Diary musings, but this is where we get into the, um, the grudge mudslinging in the WhatsApps. Yeah. So there was particularly there was a period in November 2020 where mm. I think if you'll remember, there were these this rift in Downing Street. I think that's pretty well established now. And we've seen messages by Cabinet Secretary Simon Case, who was Cabinet Secretary from late 2020, who's the most senior civil servant. He described at this time Carrie Johnson's wife as the real person in charge. Yes. So, Simon K saying in one message, quote, I was always told that Dominic Cummings was the secret prime minister. How wrong they are. I look forward to telling select committee tomorrow, oh, fuck no, don't worry about Dom. The real person in charge is Carrie. In a later exchange um, with Lee Kane, who was director of communications, he says that they're 
talking whatever Carrie cares about, is the quote. And he wasn't polite about the rest of the government. The context for this is when this feud, uh, this sort of totemic feud that led, led to the removal of the leaving of Dominic Cummings was happening. Mm. It was November 2020. In November 2020, we had had the forgotten lockdown. Um, between the first lockdown and the third lockdown in England, there was another lockdown when schools weren't closed. And the idea was to bring down these rising cases. During this lockdown, cases were falling everywhere in the country, except for one bit of Kent, the Isle yes. of Sheppey, where they were going up. And this was being investigated. And the initial assumption was this is just the Isle of Sheppey. Someone's had a party. They've broken lockdown. It turned out that this was the slow, silent arrival of the Alpha variant. And certainly in Britain, I think this was probably the most significant point in our pandemic. This was the variant that turned up. It was then called the Kent variant. And it was responsible for our winter wave, where more people died than in the spring wave, where we had the third lockdown, the proper lockdown. This was arguably the month, November 2020, when the government should have been deciding what do we do about this? Because it was also the month when the vaccines arrived. Yes. And I think, you know, in retrospect, a lot of scientists would say, and this very much is in retrospect, the what if is... We also, what if, we also knew what worked and what didn't and had the sort of experience of doing it yeah that was the point where you know leadership even boris saying look we need to voluntarily modify our behavior because we're so close to the finish line now but whilst this was going on they had a feud between dominic cummings and carrie simmons yes and then what do you make then of simon case's appraisal of all of this at the time in his whatsapp messages reading here quote this government doesn't have the credibility needed to be imposing stuff within only days of deciding not to we look like a terrible tragic joke and more broadly he's saying in one whatsapp message that boris johnson is guilty of trump bolsonaro levels of mad and dangerous bolsonaro being the brazilian president at the time yeah yeah uh... i mean i have a lot of sympathy for making decisions amid massive uncertainty and that was undoubtedly what Boris was doing but these are assessments of his character and you know might it have been better just if we did someone who's more decisive either way about what they were going to do. Mm. Elsewhere it's not just Boris Johnson sort of on trial as you characterised it. Current Prime Minister Rishi Sunak who have let's not forget was Chancellor throughout all of this has had a mention. During the, the course of the, the, this WhatsApp string we can also see a reference to Dr. Death, the Chancellor. Who was saying that? That was Dame Angela McLean, who at the time um, was Patrick Valance's deputy, and she is now appointed by Rishi Sunak as his chief scientific advisor. And I should say, amongst the, the, the Times's correspondence, we have long been of the view that of all of the government advisors, she's the one you would most like to go for a pint with. And why is this that? Hasn't, well, I mean, she's Wait always with words. she's always seemed the most fun, and that there were hidden depths of fun that could be plumbed during that pint. And I, I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of that here. Uh, so, what was her issue with Rishi Sunak? When was this that she was accusing him of being Doctor Death? This was eat out to help out, or as I, th I think Matt Hancock turned it, eat out to help the virus out. A lot of epidemiologists were very unhappy about this. Um, so during the summer of 2020, the late summer, restaurants were subsidised 
to get people in and eat in. It wasn't even subsidised to get takeaways. Mm. Um, and now, you know, from the point of view of the fact that there was going to be a second wave, it seemed like to them an insane thing to do. I think with retrospect, the virus was low enough that probably it didn't make a vast amount of difference. It, certainly people were infected. Certainly people died because of Eat Out, Help Out. But every decision in the pandemic is freighted in that way. I think the question those epidemiologists would be asking, you know, was did Rishi Sunak make this decision to fund Eat Out, to Help Out because he decided that amidst all of these trade-offs, this was the best thing to do? Or did he make it because at the time there was a very odd faction, which certainly had the ear of elements of the Conservative Party, who believed the pandemic was over and there wouldn't be a second wave. That wasn't the only insight into Dame Angela's phone and WhatsApps that we had. There was also messages referring to some other scientific advice that the government was drawing on at the time. We are only concerned with the WhatsApps at the top of the page dated the 20th of September, because that's the date of the meeting, of course and they commence around about 5.30, and the meeting was in the afternoon. So, Professor, these are plainly WhatsApps sent during the course of the meeting. Angela McLean, who is this fuckwit? John Edmonds, every statistic is wrong. Angela McLean, Patrick and Chris will discount him later. Were those all references to the proponents of the contrary side of the debate? I'm pretty sure it's your next witness. Professor Hennigan. All right. Professor Hennigan, or Hennigan, um, who he? He's at Oxford's Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine. He was one of the signatories of the Great Barrington Declaration, which was the idea that you would let the virus spread amongst the non-vulnerable population as a way of achieving population immunity and then shield the people who are most likely to die. I think. I think it's fair to say that it was very much the other faction and the, the contrary view to the orthodoxy at the time. He was definitely of the wing that, you know, we're doing more harm than good with the lockdown measures. So he was, Carl was called in along with more, I guess, scientists who, who share this view to make the counter pitch in the autumn of 2020 to pitch to the government for why, for one for better term, the lockdown sceptic case and this was, you know, very much counter, I think, to the, the orthodoxy that Sage was giving the government. And so we've got this awkward encounter then in the inquiry in which this WhatsApp is read out. He's identified it as being the fuckwit, as that message would have it. Here's what he said in response. A WhatsApp message sent by uh, Dame Angela McLean during the meeting where there was a reference to a fuckwit. Uh, and Professor Edmonds, I think inferred that that was probably a reference to you. Uh, and he also said today that he thought you didn't understand basic epidemiology. Um, mm. What are your reflections on, on, on that evidence that the inquiry has heard? I would never, in a professional capacity, use such language about other individuals. You can hear how angry he is there, and also when you see the footage as well, you can see how sort of quite angered he is by that. Is this just titillating, or is there sort of greater insight here? I don't know the extent to which there's any greater insight. I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this who'll think, I am very pleased my office WhatsApp has not been 
subpoenaed and broadcast. Mm. I think Carl Hennigan's, uh, Carl Hennigan's argument would be that um, this shows an element of in-group think against the out-group, which was him. To be clarified and cleft at that, I, I, you know, just goes to probably the heart of the problem here. Because one should always have an open viewpoint about alternative views. I would say there was a, there was a lot of anger directed towards him and directed towards other people who I think you could probably broadly say were his allies. It's also quite awkward that Dave Angela McLean is now the chief scientific advisor, correct me if I'm wrong, so I don't know, might have come across him again in the line of her work. I mean, we'll definitely come across Rishi Sunak again in the line of her work, so it's um, tricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, she'll definitely come across Sunak in all sorts of ways. I think we're going to have to become more grown up about stuff like this. It may be that people who are unimpeachable like Carl Hennigan would never say things like this. Mm. I think most of us aren't. And I think at some point we're going to have to maybe be a bit less pious. Um, no story of the pandemic is complete without Matt Hancock. And he, of course, pops up in these WhatsApp messages. Simon Case again, the Cabinet Secretary. In terms of the spiciest ones, what time are we in? What's being said of him? So this was a period so before the vaccine, crucially before Matt Hancock's hand found its way onto an extramarital bottom, but after the first wave. This is Simon Case's uh, WhatsApp message. It says, I'm not sure I can cope with today. Might just go home. Matt Hancock just called, but having spoken to PM, according to Matt, so aim off, obvs, PM has asked Matt to work up regional circuit breakers for the North, as per Northern Ireland today, and to bring recommendations. I am going to scream. <laughs> and the issue there isn't necessarily with Matt Hancock, even though there's a sort of a sideswipe at him. It's again getting to the Prime Minister Boris Johnson's flip-flopping, as some describe it. Yes, all, although... So Lee, Lee Kane is recorded writing, Hancock has to go, Joker, to which Cummings replied, yup, and liar. So there definitely were views... There was, a, one could say, an anti-Hancock faction. Um, but yes, in, in Simon Case's one, it's more just a sense that, that there was a slight headlessness to what was going on. Speaking of Dominic Cummings, around this time he was Boris Johnson's chief advisor, Svengali, however you want to describe him. He's going to be appearing at the inquiry today. Have we had any insight into what he might say, his messages even? So the broad background is I think we can expect him in person uh, to not be diplomatic because that's not how he rolls. I think we can expect him in private in new messages to not be diplomatic because that's how he rolls. He likes to break things, I think is how he would put it. Yeah. Um, the inquiry has already published some messages in which he was very critical of the Cabinet Office. On the 12th of March, a text from Mr Cummings read, we've got big problems coming. The Cabinet Office is terrifyingly shit. No plans. Totally behind the pace. We've already had a warning from, from George Osborne that more messages published might be shocking, misogynistic even, from various people working within Downing Street. And if you had a bad opinion of some of those people, it might be worse after you read some more of these messages, as George Osborne has it. But in terms of the actual aims of the inquiry, is there much left in Cummings that needs to be squeezed out, do you think? You know that internet meme where someone strides away from a burning landscape having torched everything behind them and salted the earth yeah 
I would imagine that that is certainly what Dominic Cummings will hope will happen. So we will get drama. We will get more insight into dysfunction as seen by Dominic Cummings. We will probably get more insight into what Dominic Cummings feels would have done if if proper Dominic Cummings protocol had been followed. Will it help? I mean, again, let's, let's pull back and say just again, absolutely emphatically, This is a very serious inquiry into a very serious thing, something that affected every one of us and affected lots of people through bereavements and lots of people through the effects on business, on life, on schools, everything. Will this move us closer to the situation where we are better able to cope with the next pandemic or crisis, which is surely the only reason we're doing this? I don't think anything today is going to change anything in the future, but for political watchers, enjoy the drama. And this is, we should just say at the moment, we're getting a lot of advisors and bag carriers and the rest. When are we actually going to get to the politicians themselves? I mean, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, we've already had a hoo-ha over his phone at the time and and he, him saying he hasn't got access to it so can't necessarily provide many messages from it. But then Harry Cole at The Sun reporting that actually it seems like that phone is still active when you try and contact it. When's he going to be in the chair and are there big meaty questions that you think he still needs to address and that could be problematic for him? We're expecting them before the end of the Module 2 public hearings, which end on the 14th of December. The timetable has not been set. For Boris, I guess all that's resting on it is his reputation. For Sunak, he's still in power. There could yet be revelations that come out that are embarrassing. My suspicion is not. He's hasn't been embarrassed so far, particularly. I don't think he will mind being referred to as Dr. Death because I think he is very much positioning himself within the Tory party as someone who was on the COVID sceptic wing, who was a rational COVID sceptic who opposed all some of these silly measures that we now look back on with, with sort of embarrassment. But if we just look at the span of what happened, especially in 2020, and looking at some of the reporting that the Sunday Times Insight team did as well around sort of all what happened in the background to that, might it not be embarrassing for him that on the one hand you could have documents and contemporaneous evidence showing him to be pushing for looser restrictions and then as going to a period where a majority of people died? Most of us are entrenched in our views on COVID. And from his point of view, I'm no political analyst. I suspect he would consider it would do him no political harm to curry favour amongst, I guess, the people who consider themselves the robust libertarian conservatives. In terms of deaths, I don't know where we're going to settle politically as we look back on this. But for now, I think the political climate has factored in most of those deaths, we're in our battle lines. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest science editor at The Times, Tom Whipple. If you're a subscriber, you can follow all the twists and turns of the COVID inquiry at thetimes.co.uk. The producer today was Edward Drummond, the executive producer was James Shield, and sound design was by Hannah Varrell. If you can, leave us a glowing, very complimentary review. It helps other people find us. Goodbye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.